This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Set wide, but the Ivorian cuts back in now. Even further, what a goal! Aston Villa take the lead. Just over three minutes to go here at Villa Park as Sam Johnson goes long. Potter chasing this one and Potter scoring. Baker playing it forward. Here's Bakuna. Gets it back here to Kocha who's away here. Kocha! When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. to a great start, had a horrible middle part, and now we're recovering again. So I hope I can just keep it on an equal and, uh, and not have big troughs of ups and downs. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. While it seems the playoff miracle is over after an away draw against Burton, that's still not going to stop us uh, having the second coming on the show. Welcome, Dan Rogers of the Villa Underground. How are you, sir? Well, the playoff dream might be over, but there's a steaming hot ball of fire in the sky that we've been enjoying at the weekend, so it's not all bad. <laughs> are you talking about the wonderful Birmingham weather? Well, yeah, we've got more, you know, more canals than Venice and other things. <laughs> <laughs> actually, yeah, I actually ended up going to the cinema uh, a couple of times on Sunday, so uh, not the wisest move. But uh, say the nicest weekend of the year. And you're <laughs> actually wisely locking yourself away from the football results. Yeah, well, I did. I made some new friends, so it's all good. So all's good on your your front then. I think it's the end of midweek football for Villa for the rest of the season, so you don't have to do that balancing act with oh. your uh, young one. Juggling small children and the Tuesday night fixture. No, I won't miss that because what what it denies me is those four minutes of sleep I do get between Saturday and Saturday. So, thanks, Villa. We can look forward to it all over again next season. You can you can hibernate over the summer now. Oh. I just got back from uh, Berlin where uh, I went to see uh, well, it's a football film festival out there that's been going 
about over a decade now. I keep meaning to go there. I used to go to Berlin every year for the the main film festival in the middle of winter, February, where it, where it was uh, Berlin in the winter. It's, uh, it's freezing. Somewhere, somewhere where you don't want to be living uh, at that time. But I had a kind of a long weekend there. The sun was out every day. People were walking around with beers in their hand. It was almost there's no better place in terms of people being free, happy, and uh, enjoying themselves. But you went to the Olympiastadion, didn't you? Indeed I did. Uh, you can do everything in there. You can drink, you can smoke. At half-time, you just leave your seat, go out, and there's a big park. And there's a few people smoking weed out there as well. So it was... Uh... So it's just like behind the North Stand, then. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from uh, grass instead of concrete. We've got it so wrong, haven't we, in Britain? With with the football match day experience, it says, no, 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 you must not have it's, fun. It's... It's embarrassing, and uh, I mean, the, the example of... That was the, the hotel at Norwich, which is right next to the stadium, which, if your room's on one side, you actually get a view of the pitch. And because if you're in view of a pitch, you're not allowed to drink, you're not allowed to actually drink if you're in that ho- if, you're, if you're in your own hotel room looking at the game. I mean, this, <laughs> I mean, this, hey, country, uh, this country's gone insane in so many ways, but... I mean, have we got to the stage where a grown adult can't go to a stadium and have a... You know, have a beer. You know, and the point is, I think, what does any European fan think when they arrive in an English football stadium? You know, here's your Capri Sun for four pounds. It's just bonkers. <laughs> oh, like, I don't get it. And like, you're not allowed to have a you're not allowed to have a top on your uh, Coke, sir. I mean, who was the last person to seriously be killed with a bottle of Fanta? Google that now. The the main weapon of choice for the old bottle is to piss in it and throw it, and normally you take the top off anyway. So uh, not that I've done ever done that. So I mean, a real a real soft drink terrorist would take ample bottle lids with them, smuggled into idea. the ground. There's a good idea. God, why didn't I think of that? Well, <laughs> I'm I have start collecting coke top bottles just to uh, have a couple in my uh, pocket when I go in. I, I may start smuggling them in as contraband <laughs> and distributing <laughs> them in the lower hull. Like, pst, pst. Stand round uh, where, where the service hatch is just stand round the corner hey, selling uh, Coca-Cola bottle tops. Hey, you got lids? <laughs> yeah, I got lids. <laughs> Ridiculous. I mean, we're two grown right. men. We can't have a, a bottle, of, a lid on our Coke. Yeah, in, in the Olympia Stadium, you can sit down, fill yourself to the brim with sausages, pour beer mercilessly. I mean, there's a guy who wanders up to your chair, isn't it? You're saying it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, seat. beer boy just comes up. Isn't that how it should be? I mean... I mean, I, I, I ran out of spare change, so the only, my only disappointment of the whole trip to the Olympiastadion, Olympia the beer boy didn't take uh, cards, and uh, that, that's the only, that's my only downside. First world problems, isn't it? First world problems. <laughs> <laughs> but no, then the next day I went to see uh, Tennis Borussia Berlin, who are now in the, what is, non-league, it's like the fifth division, and they were playing a game uh, against, I've got the ticket somewhere, Lichtenberg... And their, st- uh, st- well, I was going to say stadium, that would be a bit of a grandiose word for it. Their cabbage patch was uh, <laughs> it's right next to the Stasi, old Stasi HQ, which kind of overlooks the whole, the cop end there, which uh, apparently the, the head of the uh, Stasi, uh, his office overlooked the pitch. They talk about having a uh, exec box with a bit of uh, evil attached to it. Absolutely. 
Anyway, let's move on into news that we try to relate to uh, Villa. Yeah, while I was in Berlin, uh, apparently uh, Britain is going to war with Spain over Gibraltar. I mean, what what happens in that situation to all, like, for example, Spanish players in mm. uh, playing for English football teams? I mean, would we have to execute Carlos Gill? I mean, what's what's the uh, situation? But he, he needs to declare which side of the rock he's on, frankly. And, and frankly, that's our rock and they're our monkeys, Carlos. You can't have them. It's, but no, no, it's it's just uh, I mean most it's of a it's, non-story. non-story. I think it's Michael Howard obviously got a little bit excited, but the press will pour petrol on it until uh, you know until people get bored of the story. But it's uh, when you're going into negotiations to try to get a, uh, a decent trade deal with 26 other countries, you don't really want to take the piss like that too much. Going into uh, the second thing, I, I noticed Paul Weller, the mod father himself, ex of the Jam style council, is having at the age of 58, uh, an eighth child. Uh, do you and think you get to eight, ki- eight kids? Must be in contact with Gabby, presumably, for, for tips <laughs> and advice. I don't know what... I mean, is his record at risk? I don't know. We need to consult... I don't know. Is, is Gabby into double figures? I, probably mm-hmm. unofficially he is. I don't know. Well, how does that relate to Villa? I think I would say eight is probably the number of first-teamers that we're probably happy with for next season, and we probably need about three more, don't you think? Who, who are the three you'd swap out? Let's play that game. Well, um, we'll probably discuss them in more detail when we discuss the last couple of games uh, since the last podcast. But we definitely need a, we need a proper winger on the left-hand side. Uh, yeah. I don't think Green's a starter at the moment. I mean, he potentially could play him. But the position's up for grabs, isn't it? Yeah, the idea of playing, and it's, it's what McLeish used to do. He played like f- f- four to six fullbacks in one game. <laughs> playing like Hutton and Bree, and if you're playing Hutton and Bree and then playing Taylor and Amavi, you, you're losing so much going forward. Well, Amavi's sort of been shoehorned in there, hasn't he? Because he was so yeah. bad at left back. And he was, actually was not, he was, I mean, he was shocking. Yeah, that's stages, our £25 so. million pound player, don't you know? Number three. Tony Adams becoming a Le- La Liga manager with relegation threat and Granada. I'm very much an interim coach here. Okay, I've got seven games to keep this club in La Liga, which we all want to do. This is why I'm here. I'm going to kick some players' ass, guys. I'm going to keep. I'm going to work them hard. I'm going to try my best that I can do with my 40 years of experience in football to try and get this good, to keep the ball out of one end and stick it in the other. Now, this is linked into Villa because one of the early ownership packages had him linked as a potential manager of Aston Villa, which certainly turned me grey mm. when I heard about it. Yeah, Granada do know who Tony Adams is, don't they? <laughs> they do know. They haven't just found him wandering around the Costa del wherever. Tony, Wait, Tony. Well, it's a weird one because, I mean, his... Let's have a look at his managerial track record. He, he hasn't last, lasted over a season. Mm. Wickham Wanderers, he left... This is going back a few years, isn't it? It's like, what is it? Almost 15 13, years. yeah, 13 mm. years. Portsmouth, he was sacked almost uh, Same season. instantly. Then he en- ended up in Azerbaijan uh, oh. with uh, <laughs> Gabala. <laughs> We've all been on one of those long weekends with the lads, though, haven't we? <laughs> You go, hey, let's just book those EasyJet tickets. What could go wrong? Mom, and, I'm in Gabala. And, and, Where? and Granada, it, you know, used to be owned by the, is it the Pozo? Pozo? Oh, the Watford guy. Yeah, the guy who owns Watford and Udinese. And they've, they, I mean, 
to, uh, even though they've had a few, let's say, alleged uh, tax issues, uh, <laughs> they've—I mean—they've made a good fist. They've made Watford a kind of a, a top ten outfit, uh, FA Cup semi-final uh, last season. They're quite ruthless as well. I mean, they did that clever thing with the loans to Watford from Udinese, didn't they? And then they—but they've got no no qualms over sacking a manager either. Well, they—they they kind of traded their players amongst the three teams. I mean, obviously mm. uh, before they sold Granada, and uh, you know they made big on Alexis Sanchez. It was Udinese that kind of brought him to uh, well, apart from his international career, but Udinese that uh, got him over in Europe in the first place. So how the hell's Tony Adams even managing still? Uh, He's he's kind of in with the Chinese, isn't he? The the Chinese businessman who have bought yet another club in Europe. I, I still don't know his role. He he worked he worked for him as a sporting director for a Chinese Super League club, and now he's has he had has a role of a vice president. Has he announced that this team is going to be Champions League winners within three seasons? Yet? This guy. Uh, is he sitting tight? He's got, oh, damn it, Dr. Dr. X has beaten me to it. Yeah, Dr. X has got the trademark on one of the th- biggest three clubs and also Champions League in five years. Biggest clubs in the world, sorry. <laughs> but no, it's an odd one. I mean, Tony Adams doesn't come across as the brightest spark and has never been managerial mm. uh, no. material. And if he ended up Villa's manager, then uh, that would have just ended one way and that would have been pretty badly. I mean, could you imagine what... What would have happened? It wouldn't. It wouldn't have been pretty, would it? No, this is the guy. I mean, as well as his drinking issues. I mean, I, I mean, he turned up in Lincoln once when I when I was a teenager. He, he went to Rich's nightclub and he would pay for any drink with a fifty pound note, and he would just say, "Keep the change." He, he just went in as like a big, <laughs> financially prudent then, playing you know Jack the Lad, big big time Billy, paying for every drink with fifty pound notes, and was a bit of a knob to be honest, and. <laughs> Allegedly. He's not managerial material. He's, he's somebody who probably thinks he's more intelligent than he is, and uh, there's a lot of those type of folk around. Now it's time for Twitter with Tony. April 2nd. Come on, Tony. Get my bloody seat cleaned. Sat in dry pigeon shite for the last four games. Barry... Then that's maybe some golden fortune pigeons. I would rather keep it as well winning. <laughs> April 2nd. It's tomb sweeping day, a festival in China to show respect for the past people. Also days enjoying new hope of the spring. Climb the Great Wall. April 2nd. As Chinese government doesn't allow exchange foreign currency to buy football clubs, difficult to get any buyers now. We're lucky done last year. Can't sell the bugger now though. April 3rd. Have to make it clear the reason I had to protect was the kind of words made more difficulty for signing good players. Otherwise, who cares what's said? Come in. Let's move on to Villa matters. Well, I was I was hoping that Villa were going to win, ov- well, obviously, against <laughs> yeah. Burton, and that would have carried on the miracle theme, which I think was kind of keeping the interest going in this season. Mm-hmm. This hundred to one to sixty-six to one to fifty to one, and then it kind of all crashed and burned, basically because Codger went off injured. Yeah. No Codger, no party. <laughs> no, and we. 
the thing about the Burton game was I think everyone thought we would just steamroll through, and especially after five minutes, we thought that was going to be the case. But we well, it, they're pretty the, decent at uh, home as well. They're quite good, and we it was so similar to a number of games where recently we've been quite fortunate, wasn't it? Yeah, no, exactly, and and particularly they, the QPR one. It's I mean I have, a, I have this analogy where Villa have, haven't got out of second gear all season. I mean they've won games. But they've played the same as some of the games they've lost and drawn. It's there hasn't really been that much difference. They've clicked like into third, fourth gear. Maybe I mean the last ten minutes against Newcastle, they probably got up to fourth gear there, where they you know forced three or four corners on the trot and you know really assaulted mm. Newcastle. But I mean the rest of the game, they're in first gear or reverse most of the time. Yeah, we seem to get ahead, and then that's more than adequate. And we batten down the hatches and then go well that'll do and we'll just we'll see how this pans out whereas I think if we're gonna we've got aspirations to go up next season we've we've got to be yeah not stopping at one really and and having a real ruthless merciless streak to us and and also we've got to break this dependence on Codger being the only one who scores goals yeah I mean it was well it was almost a perfect example of Burton game I mean that was a game where we needed it was going to be a difficult test I mean anybody they've played recently I mean they beat Huddersfield yeah. They only got beat by Newcastle one nil. I think they won like three out of the last five home games. Mm. So they're they're like uh, super well organised. They don't win a lot of games, but they they haven't lost many either, have they? Burton, that's been their their position sort of masks that they're quite an organised unit looking to survive in the division. Yeah, which uh, it looks like they will do. Mm. But mm-hmm. Villa needed to step up a, a gear to third, let's say, and <laughs> that was the only way they were going to win. And when Codger went off, you just thought. Well, I don't think there's enough there for uh, there's enough firepower left. I mean, it's not really saying I'm not saying anything about Hogan because we don't really know if he's going to work or not, or if he needs the team to play a different way. But yeah, no, you know, while the Burton result wasn't bad in isolation because it's a kind of a tricky place to go. If we wanted to pull off a miracle, we really had to beat them. I mean, you just look at the league table now. If, I mean, we also needed really Newcastle to beat Sheffield Wednesday mm. at Hillsborough, uh, mm. and then we'd have been seven points off with five games to go you know it's actually in the realms of possibility but instead of seven points off sixth place uh, that would have been Fulham we are now 11 off Sheffield Wednesday and there's no way that's going to happen no no but still we're still unbeaten in nine that's still uh, a positive yeah must keep the positive we're we're in a lot better we are in a lot better shape than we were the season's over, so we might as well uh, stay reasonably positive but I mean let's let's look at the uh, the seven wins in eight that mm-hmm. preceded the uh, the draw. God knows how this has happened, but we've managed to win seven <laughs> of our last eight games and keep seven clean sheets in those seven wins. It's Unbelievable. St- it's <laughs> the clean sheets, is, that is staggering because we were just the professional conceders of goals, weren't we? It was, man, look at that run before. It just goes from red to green. It's unbelievable. So what, do you th- what do you think of, in terms of the defence, what has been the difference? I think... Though Yedinak on paper is sort of, I mean, he's played a couple of games at centre half. For that, you know, while Baker was injured, I, I thought we saw against QPR. He's actually the as we become maybe more fatigued, he becomes the third centre half, doesn't he? Exactly. He's, he's almost playing like a old school sweeper, but just you know, yeah. slightly forward a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot's to be linked to Yedinak, um, and I think the fact that Codger just cannot stop scoring goals. Yeah, but that's got nothing to do with the clean sheets. Uh, no. Stick to the question. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, I mean, we could do a uh, two-minute podcast. Defence is good. Codger can't stop scoring goals. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Yeah, I think Yed- Yedinak playing in a 
let's say super defensive minded mm. role and he is kind of a sweeper if, if not a bit more advanced maybe when Bruce is talking about centre back if we get to the Premier League I don't see that but because uh, I think there's just niftier and faster players there that will find him out but as a sweet old school sweeper I mean what, what happened to the concept of the sweeper it just died it used to be uh, in the 90s it was all kind of in vogue it was a very popular thing and I mean I'm crazy yeah actually that's very true when you think back to the Serie A and, and you know yeah. when, it was, when it was good I, I mean I, I was sad enough to watch <laughs> some of some of the Edinax International and he, and he plays a very similar and has played a very similar role for Australia where you know it, they, they show you the pre-match sort of formation and actually a lot of the time that's not where the players are playing and he, he doesn't play yeah. this he's not a left or right midfield or even a central he, he, he's so deep yeah um, he's just hoovering up all that in between stuff, and that get, I think that's what the benefit for us has been that he's given Chester and Chester some protection, and um, it leaves Baker to do the other clearing up bit, really, and not have yeah. to worry about the more technical bits. Because if you were to boil down what, let's say, the equation or the recipe to to Villa's mm. uh, recent success, yeah. it's just well organised defence and then Codger's scoring at the end. Definitely. And when you look at the possession stats, Norwich, I mean, unbelievable to win that game 2-0 and you've yeah. got 31% possession and only managed two corners compared to Norwich's 10. It's, that's proof that, particularly thinking back over some of the managers we've had, I mean, we, we, we lurched badly towards total possession, total possession football under Lambert without creating anything or doing anything with it. Yeah. Um, you know, we take our chances with the possession that we've got and... Um, I think we're quite happy to let the opposition have the ball at times. I do think that's because we give it away a lot, though. So, uh, for the completists, I think we get 39% possession against uh, QPR. Mm. Forced five corners to QPR six. The corner thing is a telling stat in terms of effective possession, because mm. obviously uh, you want more set pieces than the opposition in terms of if you're overrunning them. Mm. And, I mean, QPR had one shot on target, and I, I didn't feel... I just thought mm. a bit, you know, at the end it got a bit nervy because uh, we should have killed them off a long time ago. Absolutely. And this this is one of the problems. If we're playing this way, and you're relying on a... On a and Martin O'Neill essentially played this way. Tough, organised defence, and then you have speed and guile, uh, mainly through wingers, um, mm. on the counter-attack. And we don't really have a collection of players to really maximise the way we're playing at the moment. Because the idea of playing mm. full-backs yeah. wide and attacking... I mean, we saw it against QPR, especially. Uh, some of the choices, that, that you know, final pass, the when final. you've got... A, when, you've got, when either Codger or Hogan was, was in a great position, or, you know, just to essentially tap it in, you know, Hutton was guilty, Amavi, some fucking terrible uh It was harder not choices. to find a Villa shirt, to be honest, on, on a couple of occasions. And that's where we're seeing the, the impact of two managers over less than 12 months and what's left of the relegation squad, you know. Let's take Hutton and Amavi. You know, Amavi's... I don't think been in particularly good form. He's just playing better, having been relieved of that left back role. Hutton's playing a lot better, I think, for the competition, but he's not. You know, you wouldn't describe his, his attacking prowess as his being his strength, would you? You know, no, he carries exactly. the ball very well and he breaks us out well, but you know, there's, there's not been many good balls into the box for him ever. Yeah, once he gets to the edge of the eight, uh, opposition's 18-yard box, then suddenly it's, it's almost like... He gets got, found out, doesn't he? He doesn't know what to do. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you go back to Villa 
when we're playing the same way, but we have wingers. I mean, we were attacking with with the likes of Ashley Young, Stuart Downing, Mark, Mark Albrighton, mm. and that strikes terror. And Gabby, Gabby was more, at, let's say, in his prime then as well, especially from a kind of a pace point of view. We definitely, when we're talking about those uh, eight players, and we need, let's say, three more. I'm definitely thinking a proper kind of left winger. Because A, Grealish doesn't yeah. seem like he's got it, and he hasn't got that. Grealish comes into play if you've got a midfield that plays possession football, I think. Mm. And mm. we're not. doesn't look like we're going to go down that route anytime soon. I, I don't soon. see where he fits in this at the moment, and it's been, you know, we'll, we'll get to him a little bit later on, I suppose. But, you know, we're talking about what, what seems to be, we're trying to set up for that counter, that quick pacey burst, and we're, we're sort of using the players that we've got at the moment to try and maximise that. Hence why I think Bakuna gets a, a pick, to be honest, because he's very head-down run sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's where Grealishers have probably got to wake up to the fact that they're going to have to come in and use the attributes that they've got, but they need to be more direct, and that's why I think Green's been picking, because he runs that line very well. You get a lot of discussion in social media from fans going, oh, well, I don't care how we win, it's, it's all about winning. <laughs> and the thinking is very kind of binary. I mean, like, mm. articles are either positive or negative, to some mm. people there's there's no uh room for like discussion or asking questions and like mulling over both sides of the equation but in, and it seems to extend to there's only two ways to play you either play ugly and win or you play uh, like barcelona and lose apparently mm. but <laughs> what we're talking about uh in the context of what we're talking about in the last two games is well no let's say the whole season uh, but against qpr for example we're not talking about playing like Barcelona to beat QPR. If they're making that, that final pass, instead of, uh, I think it was Hudson or Bakuna, crossed it in, and there was back four, three defenders, uh, sorry, three forwards were being marked, and there was a spare QPR man, defender. Mm. The cross went straight to the guy on his own. <laughs> so out of three, three or four options he had to hit three Villa players, it ends up going to the spare QPR man. That's... If he hits a Villa player and he scores on a header, that's not total football. That's just yeah. like doing the basics, basics. right? That's, yeah, that's what we're asking for here. Because Villa, uh, Villa could have... If it was Codger up there with Ashley Young on the side and Stuart mm-hmm. Downing mm-hmm. or all Brighton on the other side, that's, Codger would have had a hat-trick against QPR, no problem. That was a similar thing for me. I think it was the f- probably the first half because Lansbury's become was the corner taker against QPR. Yeah. I, uh, he put a ball in and it and it just floated... It was the perfect cross, and not one of our, none of the Villa players in the box reacted. And th- we've almost got to become more clued up to the fact that you've got to expect Lans- Lansbury to play that ball. You know, he's been purchased and bought to play that ball. And more often than not, I'd, I'd gauge that unless an opposition defender can read it or get on the end of it, we've got to assume he's going to put the ball on the penalty spot from a corner. You know, it's yeah. th- that's the kind of thing that when you look at how poor our conversion rate from from set pieces is that. You wonder, what, are we gambling? or I think under Bruce will improve in these areas because you only have to look at how we've tightened up defensively. Maybe that's where he's looked first of all. It is, it is of course, kind of repetition and drilling it into uh, people's heads, you know, mm. the routines of when we're going forward. But still, uh, there's just needs to be, uh, to quote Alan Hansen, uh, that extra bit of quality in... Uh, in that kind of final ball, and and it will. Wait, where's it will he from re- again? It will. Re- I don't know. I didn't even try. I, I, I withdrew the accent before I opened my mouth. It was a Brexit accent. <laughs> yeah, Brexit accent. But uh, but no, it transformed. Same amount of possession. If you, if they just could 
you know play the final ball properly and uh, yeah. you know have have some winger that uh, isn't a fullback who just gets to the edge of the eighteen and uh, crosses in actually tries to get behind the defence and stretches them and yeah, gives yeah, yeah. gives Codger even more room uh, you know run in on goal and obviously score more goals because at the moment he had his two chances in the first four minutes scored one and then mm. you know that was it from him really because nobody else was really creating. I was about to say, I mean, I wonder whether this is a confidence thing because we, we, you've just described how we don't seem to get behind teams and stretch them and it's almost like we're relearning how to beat football teams. You know, it's when was the last time we've been on a run in, in recent memory and for a number of those players, they've been at a football club that the default expectation is that more often than not we'll lose. Yeah. Um, And it's been a real... We almost seem to burst and break on an opposition at the moment and not, <laughs> not be absolutely 100% confident in what we're doing and... I can see the change. I can see the change. There's obviously more confidence in defence, but it's still a bit tentative going forward and kind of lacking ideas. And sometimes the idea is the simplest thing and and they don't actually take it. I mean, people will say, well, why are you worried? Because seven wins out of eight, you know, it's all going good. But Mm -hmm. we're looking at the future here. And if we're looking at this, if we're in the championship next season, playing Mm -hmm. this way, I mean, against QPR, we're just one one mistake away from conceding an equaliser when we should have blown them away. I mean, watching watching them Mm -hmm. uh, at Villa Park, I understood how uh, Newcastle beat them 6-0 at Loftus Road. I was just about to say that. I thought they were one of the poorest, certainly in the first half, one of the poorest teams we've had at Villa Park. I yeah. didn't think, I thought they were quite disinterested. And that was the frustrating thing, that we we sort of arrived at 70 minutes under some pressure, most of which our own doing, I think. Yeah. But almost, we, we withdrew into ourselves, and it's it, that's a nasty habit we've still got, where we almost, it's that expectation that something's going to go wrong. We go deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, and QPR had no right, you know, they weren't being particularly expansive or clever in what they were I doing. I mean, I, I was surprised when I, when I actually saw the possession stats at the end, and they... We had only 39% against them because I mm. thought, well, we're easily going to, uh, you know, at least, let's say, high 40s because obviously QPR had a bit more of the ball yeah. uh, second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the fear is we've, we've a lot of the teams we've beaten this season are the, like the bottom six kind of teams. and yeah. Or uh, recently, the most notable wins, you've got to probably say Sheffield Wednesday who had about three or four players, in, you know, injured at the time and Norwich were missing their main Wes Houlihan in terms of their creative force. We beat Derby who hadn't won in five and we'll see what happens when we play Reading, Brighton, although Brighton hopefully uh, they'll have their promotion already sorted out and, you know, maybe even the league title if Newcastle start to float. So yeah, so at the moment the recipe is a well-marshaled defence and Codger's finishing, uh, but I think Codger would score more if we sort out what we've just uh, spoken about. And it's not about uh, playing tick-attacker, it's just about improving uh, a cutting edge going forward, essentially. And that's not going to be all that hard to do, I would I would, uh, I would venture. No, I think we've already d- discussed already. I, I can think of, yeah, it's a little, little bit of luck, you know, the one that, that comes off the post goes in on another day. You know, and then two minutes later, he's smashing in the second goal. Yeah. And in the second half, it's that little bit of quality and composure that maybe with, you know, everyone's sort of getting a bit excited about Hudson's you know, resurgence of form. But the reality is... He shouldn't be in the team full stop. We should. The reality is a better, a better player finds Hogan. And yeah. that that's it's no more complicated than that. That's, that's not saying that Hutton doesn't try hard and, and hasn't given a lot the last few weeks, because he certainly has. Yeah, it's, but, good, it's good to see fans getting sentimental about players that have been bang average and uh, <laughs> I mean I'm I'm quite I'm quite kind <laughs> of hardcore the fence, down yeah. the line if they're not good enough they shouldn't be 
shouldn't be playing and there's a reason that's uh, we're where we are and that's because we play you know we had players like Westwood and Bakuna and Hutton and uh, I don't think it's if you if we want it promotion and if we want to get back to being a, a top rate uh, Premier League team it's it's you know the time is not to turn all the revisionist on players that have got us into you know poor positions in the first place no, so that, no. that's where I stand anyway I, I mean I don't disagree with that in principle I'm, I mean I wouldn't say I'll write off players from from you know being around better players they may improve but I think of of the core remaining group at the club and I'm just thinking desperately off the top of my head are there you know we've seen enough of them now I, I've personally seen I don't see Hutton as the future I don't think Bakuna's nearly got as much quality as, as what, what we need and he's at best a championship squad player in my view yeah um, Gabby that's not that doesn't represent the future of the club and I, I think you know that, that we've, we've discussed him to death so we don't need to go there uh, and you Grealish is uh, probably got a big question mark against them because if they're not performing here and now at this level or they're not in Bruce's plans then where do they fit at Aston Villa because well yeah I mean as, as we mentioned since we're not playing a possession based football which uh, would suit him more than uh, the way we're currently playing where's he going to go I mean if, if if we're talking left side we need somebody fast and direct if we're going to play in this kind of counter-attacking uh, setup, and it, is uh, Bruce going to uh, you know obviously spending money on Hogan mm. going to drop Hogan and have Grealish playing in the hole behind Codger I don't I don't think I don't see it well, just looking at so, and so, I don't so, think Bruce don't think Bruce is a big Grealish man I think he was trying to get rid of him in January well, to be honest he's been sat on the bench for the last two games I and mean, we, ha- we haven't even seen him for He's, he's not made a resurgent impact, has he? And I mean, just jumping away from from Grealish for a second, you look at the type of player who's actually doing quite well under Bruce. They're the more uncomplicated. They've got a clear role in the team, haven't they? And I'm not sure what Grealish's role is. Whereas if you were to look at like, even a Baker or a, a Neil Taylor, yeah, they're all spectacular. Ta- but I thought, I thought Taylor, especially the kind of first half, he he had a decent mm. uh, just keeping it simple and doing his job description. He he, he was fine. I wonder whether that's the Bruce mantra because I don't want to oversimplify what he's doing because I think he's inherited a lot of problems at Villa and there's still stuff to resolve. But you know, Codger scored the goals. The 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 two midfielders, um, you know, it's a combination of Lansbury or Hura Hurahan, try and create them. Um, you know, complemented yeah. by Adoma and and another wide player and be Amavi at the moment. Um, you know, and you, you, like you just mentioned Taylor, Taylor's. Taylor's been unspectacular, but actually really consistent. Really, yeah. really consistent since he's arrived. So, yeah, I think Grealish has got a problem if he's not preferred uh, on the left hand side to uh, Amavi because Amavi uh, was mm. was pretty poor. I mean, the thing in the whole ten uh, against QPR, it actually the crowd is a bit of a difference actually from uh, let's say let's go back two months. The crowd started off pretty positive, saying unlucky mm. son, you know, oh, totally with the players. But then they kind of turned a little bit on Lansbury and Amavi just for some kind of sloppy play and you mm. know, poor, poor decisions when they were passing. But Amavi took the brunt, brunt of that and people were actually, you know, cheering when he went off. Amavi's a funny one. Is uh, People look for scapegoats and... Well, yeah, all, it's it's like a default reaction, but there's no way that we were offered 25 million for him. I mean, if somebody offered 25 million, that tweet was was bullshit. Not a prayer, like everyone. I want to see this this Jordan Amavi become this world class French footballer that I suppose we all imagined he would. I'm I'm not. He had a horrendous injury, which is, I think yeah. is that is part of this. But he is 
I've seen nothing to suggest either before his injury, and this is a key thing. It's about being revisionist again. He wasn't yeah. doing very well at left back in the in the defensive role when he before he got injured. No, but I do see a footballer in him. But his role's not clear for me. His passing is he looks so nervy on the ball, and he's he's more willing just to kick the ball wherever than engage his brain, and that's that's a worry for me. I would like to see him personally go down the byline and, and try to get behind them, and then cutting it back for you know players like Codger yeah. running onto it. And, you know, he had that great Hogan chance well. in the second half where the ball broke. And is it just me? Do you have to be a professional footballer who to realise that where there are three Mark Villa players on the edge of the box, that maybe skying it over the bar from an acute angle isn't the cleverest <laughs> thing? You know what's what's that about? Perhaps we'll never understand footballers. Well, uh, I don't understand if they're getting paid five figures a week and they can't pass the ball. I mean, that's that's my <laughs> biggest issue. Uh, We've of, had a graveyard of those players. Yeah, that's years, my yeah. biggest issue with uh, modern day. F- and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. G'day, Villa fans. Welcome back to Jet Max Jangle. I've eaten canaries for breakfast, battered my way past park rangers. I've even fought bloody around in the last week. Nothing in this world can stop me now. Not Gabby, not Tonev, not even a bloody Neil Taylor tackle. But the Villa Pride is rather late for the big migration north. And Jesus, Bruce is desperate to lead us to the feeding ground. But a predator strikes when you least suspect it. And we have the element of surprise on our side. Jesus Christ, have you seen our Huddens plane? Pray to the God of Beards for us, will ya? Let's let's go back to uh, what the Burton game spelt to our season. What what you're seeing a lot on social media now is a lot of people coming out the woodwork saying, "Oh, we said it was going to take two seasons uh, to get back up." How did you feel at the start of this season? Once we dropped about fifty-five million in the summer, did you think, "Oh, playoffs? It should be at least." I, I suppose I did. I mean, I, I recognised that we had a major overhaul to do, but I thought yeah. that we threw a lot of money and a lot of intent at it. I'm not going to say that some of that intent wasn't misguided and there weren't mistakes there. You know, you can circle players like Galini, Tishbola. I mean, you you might not have predicted McCormack, but you might have. I think most people would say, "Hang on, that's that's a lot of money for a guy." Pushing th- uh, the long yeah. side of thirty. Yeah, I mean there was um, there was enough reasons there not to buy him. Put it that way. And I think that that's a sign that I'm not critical of the owner's intent. You know, there's a lot of money being put up there, but yeah. I think the way that he he went about it 
was naive, and that that cost that meant that our season didn't really start till Bruce got here, really, because he he employed for whatever reason he employed Di Matteo, be it the fact that he had a Masters or that he'd won the Champions League. It was clear very quickly that he'd let him loose with the checkbook, and he we didn't look like we had any momentum towards even the playoffs, did we? Or even a, a plan in place to do it. Uh, I mean, it's no. not impossible. Let's let's put it this way. Uh, as we've mentioned before, Sunderland were relegated on 15 points with a worse mm. setup than Villa, and they won the championship the next season. So they managed to sort their get their act together within a within a summer. So it's not out of the realms. And as Bruce said, one of the interviews he sh- he did shortly after he took over in October, he said, "When you get offered a job in October, you know it's because a club is in trouble." There's only one way for this club to go, and that is up. If I don't think I couldn't get promoted, I wouldn't be here. And he's talking about this season. There's no honeymoon period. We've got 35 games to go. That's a lot of time to do something. When I came to Birmingham, Birmingham City, in 2001, we were 15th at Christmas and still got up via the playoffs. Now, another things he's also said suggests that he was pretty bullish that he would get in the playoffs because January the 1st, we were six points off the playoffs. Mm. With that amount of money, that squad he had at his disposal already, and I think he's, he admitted in the press that it was one of the best squads he's taken over, mm-hmm. I think he'll be disappointed not to be at least the playoffs. I mean, we're, we're talking about the playoffs as if it's like some uh, difficult thing to get to, but it's it's like the top six in the bloody championship, for God's sake. It's not as uh, yeah. it's not like the Champions League. I think if there's one thing that really hamstrung Bruce was the fact that I think the club really underestimated or, again, maybe I'll use the word naive again, we're naive going into January without any suitable replacement for Codger. And this was something I I brought up after the after the Burton game and a couple of people said, well, hang on a minute, we went and bought Hogan. Well, we did a, a month too late, probably. Yeah, that you was know, right at the end of the if window. If we wanted him, and this, it's, easy for, it's easy as a fan to sit back and say, hang on a minute, we should just wander in there with a checkbook on day one of the transfer window and do our business. Well, to be honest, on the last day of the transfer window, I think we did, we, we got help, you know, we paid a lot of money for Hogan. I'm not saying there, w- there wouldn't have been other, I mean, West Ham were clearly sniffing around him as well, and he was probably yeah. weighing up his options. But we let, you know, as you said, f- from the first of of January, we're six points off promotion. To actually, that that terrible run ran well into February. Yeah. Um. To the point we where we were discussing relegation. You know, I mean, I re- remember writing a piece early doors. I think it was August about essentially sounding the alarm bells about the uh, the African Cup of Nations, and mm. I mean potentially we could have lost three players with Albert Adoma, but he didn't go. But at the time, we're losing uh, what we thought to be our two uh, main attacking threats in AU and. Uh, codger and you know that that kind of thinking got a bit of momentum and it got to dr tony on twitter and dr tony was addressing january he said oh we'll get yeah. some loans in it, you know it'll be covered and you've got steve bruce saying oh we've got six strikers at the moment there's too many you know somebody's gonna leave we come into january and suddenly we're playing gabby abongaho who's we've been told he's on a six-week super fitness regime and this is actually he's starting and it's only the second week of that six week supposed fit plan or whatever it was to get him back into uh shape major clangor and it, I mean, it, it conspired against bruce because he probably found himself in a position where he had to play gabby and perhaps that's something that he wouldn't want to admit admit publicly with you know at the time the McCormack the, the situation we well, had the McCormack situation that was dealt with publicly had, there was the protracted hepburn murphy contract 
thing which you know was unsavory uh, but cons- yeah but considering Hepburn Murphy's not really a starter it's not really uh... well no but he, he would have this is the thing about Hepburn Murphy at that moment in time if, if McCormack was off the table and with the, the players away he'd have probably got to run in the team for three or four weeks with the other injuries and whatnot. Yeah, and we we also got to factor in selling uh, Rudy Gestead so early in the winter as well. Doesn't look a bad bit of business in retrospect, though, does it? Well, I'm, I'm not talking about his ability, but just the fact that we suddenly uh, we got rid of him. No replacement. No replacement. Obviously, they knew that McCormack uh, was having issues at that time. Surely, they and, must have done. You know, from they've suddenly their pants were down. No firepower, and it's cost us the playoffs because Bruce. When he took the job, expected the playoffs, and it's not this, oh, it's going to take two seasons to go up. We're not talking about actually promotion here. We're just talking about reaching the playoffs. I mean, we might, you know, we're not saying we'd get through the playoffs, but uh, yeah. he expected it. And that, to go into the year, January the 1st, six points away from the playoffs, and then suddenly you find yourself 25 points off the playoffs, there's some real issues there. Well, that shows you the depth of the trough, though, doesn't it, that we went from being... You know, we had that sort of mini resurgence at the beginning of Bruce's tenure to really, really badly losing our way to the extent, you know, we had the, so many players come through the door and, and I can think of games like the Forest game, the, you know, the, the Leeds away game. We, 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 you know, we talked about early, early in the season lacking a plan. I think Bruce really struggled to gel together the new players and form any sort of identity for Probably six weeks. Yeah. And the, I mean, the fact that he won seven out of eight and that the nearest it got us was about nine points, 11 points off the playoffs shows you how bad that run before uh, impacted on, uh, you know, the progress of the team. I don't want to detract away from the fact that over the over recent weeks, we've, you know, we've really stuck some fantastic points back on the board. And I have to say our season would have been pretty grim <laughs> and dismal in terms of an outlook for next season if we hadn't. But we we really... Some of the things that we showed across that losing streak, we, we we need to kick those habits. We need to kick those habits. And there was a little bit of it in the Burton game as well, where I mentioned it already, where when we get ahead or when we get a grip of a game, we've got to be going two and three goals ahead against teams to one yeah, give us a buffer. But be the, you know, show, promoted teams have a ruthless streak. We're just we're just not offering enough going forward. I mean, we're still not no. performing. And this is this is my thing about the performance levels aren't that aren't that good. And you know, as I keep saying, it's not about tick attacker football and you know being pleasing on the eye or any of that bullshit. It's just taking uh, taking chances, creating chances in whichever way you want to do it. And we're just not doing it. We're, you know, it's about beating teams easier because while Bruce likes to say, "Oh, this is the championship," I you know I will say, "This is the championship," but I mean, it's not that good. Well, look at the QPR game. That that was, a, was so similar to the Burton game, but QPR were disinterested for that first half and yet yeah. I mean, it's this thing we've been talking about why can't we put together 90 minutes of football that doesn't mean we're in complete control over those 90 minutes but have that you know we get on the on the ball we have got that drive to make the final third we're not you know we've got more than one obvious option to win the game as well because so many of Codger's goals as well I mean the, the Burton one you know, he presses the guy. Yeah, it's a it's a dreadful defensive error. He has yeah. a lot to do, but it's all him. It's all him, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's all him. I mean, uh, while the jury might be out on him being a complete player, there's, there's no doubting he's uh, finishing. And uh, once he gets a sniff of goal, he's there's only one way he's going, and that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, you really can't fault Codgers. Um, you you would put your house on him scoring one on one, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, there's been talk of him uh, leaving, which yeah, just I mean, that's natural. Any player that uh, does anything above average is always linked away I mean one 
one scenario is uh, if Lukaku of Everton goes somewhere else, and you know he's he's been kind of showing some consistency as mm. perhaps a top top of the pile kind of striker. Would Everton like come in for him? Mm. Well, this is going to be the the challenge, and it's it's the one that it's the elephant in the room, isn't it? That it's very easy for any owner, not just Aston Villa, to say, Do you know, what? these are our protected players. And I would count Chester in amongst that because yeah. I think a decent Premier League team would be looking at a player like James Chester and perhaps Jonathan Codger and saying, well, hang on a minute. At worst, they're not going to, you know, they're a squad player at Premier yeah. League level. You know, I would look at both of them as being, you know, they would slot into and improve most of the struggling Premier League teams that I've seen this season. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think, you know, if we if we had got promoted this season, you'd have expected those two to start in the Premier League. So Absolutely. That, uh, be just goes to show so. that they would be of interest to another team. Well, we may have to resist that yet. And that, that, that it's something that makes me very, very uncomfortable. And it's something I've mentioned before that, you know, if, if we don't get off to a good start and we sort of arrive into January, with with similar uncertainty. I've said before that I have 1% in my mind I have this sentimental, these players will be loyal to us, but also we've yeah. been football fans long enough to know that money talks and ambition talks and, and, and players, whoever they are, will, will be off. No matter how much we say that we'll resist bids, it's um, and that's why we, we've got to get up, as, as we've got to get some momentum next season and treat the, the final games as our pre-pre-season, if you like. Yeah, I mean, hypothetically, if e- Everton were interested, the advantage is... Well, the situation is four-year contract. He's only mm. done one, so Villa will have some uh, be able to ask for a decent transfer fee, and obviously they would uh, push the boat out just to save face with fans if they got like you know twenty-five million, which uh, I don't think Everton would pay for. But if they got something like that, then fans would un- you know be more understanding. But also, if it depends on the player, if the player wants mm. to go, because he'll be 28 next season, so he's kind of at the yeah. prime. So you know, he doesn't want to be playing in the championship forever. I mean, the the other thing to bear in mind, and it's something that's become increasingly apparent over the last 15, 15, 16 games for Villa this season, is that you know I, I've never really appreciated up close what a golfing class there is between the Premier League um, and the Championship, and I don't mean in in terms of the quality of goals scored or, or the players. It's it's overall quality across the you know there's a huge it's almost like there's a line that's been drawn where good players and quality football teams there's there's a clear separation for me and that's the leap that you look at teams that have got up and have survived they've, they've actually gone through another transformation stage of improving their squads from what can I say a team to drag them out of, of yeah. a 24 team division against you know what there's some very ropey teams in this league of which we've been yeah. one of them at times frankly yeah um, yeah, that's fair enough. To, to become a bit more of a football team with a with a clinical clinical edge. So uh, if if the Burton result is effectively the nail in the coffin of any playoff mm. miracles, what what's left in the season for you? Uh, obviously, if you're a season ticket holder, you've, it's a day out now, isn't it? Pretty much, that's about it. Well, it's pre, it's pre pre season for me, and it has been for a few weeks. I think we've all harboured, you know, clung to this idea that we can drag ourselves into the playoffs. And do, I think do you think c- Bruce was playing for that? Do you think you, you kind of believed that? So that's maybe why. Let's say they were looking to secure wins rather than yeah. going out to win, if you know what I mean. Like defend, you know, once they scored, they kind of hung on to it and yeah, tried well, to kind of shepherd it over the line for three points rather than uh, yeah. playing with a bit more freedom. Yeah, yeah, well, the clean sheets are key in that over the recent period as well. That that that's a that's a huge positive to take. That we've become a lot more uh, a lot more harder to beat and a lot more solid. You know, we still make stupid mistakes, but we be, they're less frequent. I, I think 
you know what what we've got here is the ability to take some momentum into next season and it's you know something that Leicester did in the in the Premier League and it's it's a great opportunity to shake off the the old losing and, and meandering mentality and and actually start to get into a rhythm of winning games the fact is we're on a, we're on a good unbeaten run at the moment you know you take that yeah I think they, they need to it. yeah need to take that to the end of the season Absolutely. I would say I mean, I mean, I mean all, all, is... all they've got to do is just give the Blues a hammering and most fans will be happy and you know they'll be happy on social media and uh, <laughs> that will buy everybody concerned uh, more time apart from the more cynical people like our good selves who can well, see it, the l- bigger <laughs> picture <laughs> well it may not buy one man, one man much more time i mean we could we could have the prospect of zola getting unceremoniously sacked either hopefully he makes it to the derby game and then we can dispatch him suitably yeah because zola works with so many different songs so uh, <laughs> it would be good to get him there because he's done a good job i mean if villa had sent him to manage uh, birmingham uh, they couldn't have set a sent a better player oh sorry he's better manager sorry it's but i mean the whole atrocious. the gary rowlett thing where he'd won more games in was it eight days than zola yeah. had uh, <laughs> since his time there well you can have the conversation about infinitely better managers but uh, I mean, we don't need to devote too much of our of our podcast to it, but it really does stand as one of the worst, if not bizarre, managerial in season changes that that I can recall. I'm glad you agree. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but I no, can't no, it's, of... it's one of those where you just knew from the start that it just smelled iffy, especially uh, when you know half at least half the Blues fans really rated Rowlett and they understood the limitations of what he had to uh, yeah, yeah. kind of go with. So why bring in somebody who isn't really known for being like a blue-collar manager who can make the best of what he's got? It's It, it just defied all kind of logic. It's, well, you have a popular manager, it's it's hard to get a popular manager mm, in the mm. first place and then, and then you get rid of him and bring in a, a wild card. Absolutely senseless. Uh, I mean, so they've, they've given him the anonymous... Uh, ominous public backing uh, this week as well so <laughs> watch this space I think that they could survive by the skin of their teeth I think Blues um, uh, yeah no, I, th- I think they're, they're pretty safe there doesn't seem to be many tails wagging in the no. bottom three I think uh, the the three the current three are pretty much going down. Right, Reading next. Reading got absolutely walloped, didn't they? It's seven. Um, yeah, against I... Norwich. Norwich, just a bizarre team. How can you get beat two 0 by Aston Villa, who played <laughs> pretty naff, and then you're destroying uh, one of the teams that are actually in the playoffs? See, if I was Steve Bruce, I'd go well. That's the championship. Um, oh, that's the championship, <laughs> folks. <laughs> I think I, I underline what I said earlier. The the quality for me and the consistency in this division. If you can get onto a little run and you can keep you keep your shit together, you're better than the vast vast majority of teams in this league. Yeah. If you're shipping seven goals against Reading uh, against uh, if you're shipping seven goals against Norwich, you know he- he- Reading are what fourth. Uh, it, it's bonkers. And well, you just look at the league table. Those two top teams have got like what thirty plus goal differences, and nobody's really close to that. I mean, Newcastle watched them against Villa, not that impressive, but mm-hmm. uh, you don't really have to be. Well, they've they've worked out that you know you, that they have they had enough quality in their team, and, and they've stuck to a consistent game plan across the season. You know, they got they had a bit of a iffy start, but. You know, as soon as Benita's got them got them rocking and rolling, they they haven't really looked back, have they? It's it's been, yeah. you know, they always fancy themselves to be in in, in the top two, and, and they've they've stuck to that. You look at the at the playoff teams, and you know, you've got Reading in there, you've got between Fulham and Sheffield Wednesday flirting with it. Three teams there that I, you know, if you'd strip the names away and you'd watch them just against Villa this season, you would never have put them in the playoffs. No, no, exactly. It's it's hard to pick a team that has impressed. 
Mm. And on that note, next season, if that's the season, well, I think it has to be the season. It has to be automatic playoff. I mean, I see some some people saying, oh, we need another season to sort this out. No, you bloody well don't. No, we've... I mean, under their breaths, the Villa board will not be happy about this season, even though they're tweeting about season ticket sales and all that Mm. kind of stuff. I mean, that's obviously they're happy about that because it's the finances of the game. But they'll be be hurting a little bit this season for not getting promoted straight off the bat or not even being close. I mean, it's it's kind of embarrassing, to be honest. I think they'll they'll have to shoulder some of the blame for the the lack of preparation going into January and and, and the decision-making around Di Matteo. But I bet they cannot believe that we went from January through to near enough the end of February as, as we did and you know you just had six six or nine points into that mix and you're laughing really you know going into the final stretch yeah if you if you wrote uh, 11th on the back of a playing card and put it face down and asked uh, Dr Tony or Keith Winus on the other side of this card is where you're going to finish at the end of this season their expressions on the fan fan cam <laughs> <laughs> you're slightly different they wouldn't be punching the air jumping up and down high-fiving they, they would they I think they would be very surprised right on that note well next uh, after the next game oh actually we're getting closer to the blues game i mean that's pretty, probably the only game left i, I was looking forward to brighton uh, at home because at the start of the season i thought that would that would kind of decide something but you have that possibility of uh, maybe brighton being crowned champions mm. and presenting them the trophy at villa park Oof. That, that would be a bit of a uh, kind of custard Custard mm. pie in the face. <laughs> yeah, don't. Uh, not sure I'd look forward to that actually. And that's that's. Yes. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> lots to look forward to uh, next season. <laughs> <laughs> it, the... I tell you what, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. <laughs> I, I think particularly August when we've absolutely got to get off to a good start, and Yedinak goes away on holiday for a couple of weeks. Oh my god! We need to be promoted by February. <laughs> <laughs> Minimum expectations laid it. That might be one of uh, Dr. Tony's first tweets of the new season, you know, set the bar low. <laughs> <laughs> well, promotion by February. Promotion by November. Chinese. Uh, well, there'll be a few more shows before the end of the season, so uh, God knows what we're going to talk about, but uh, I'm sure we'll find something. <laughs> also, uh, if you'd use the Twitter, uh, we've set up a Twitter account just for the show. Because so, the idea, if you listen to the show and if you want things spoken about or if there's something you want to bring up that we've spoken about and you have a a different opinion or you agree drop us a a tweet (laughs) on at aston villa pod we've we've already got our own twitter account so uh the reason why we set this other one up is just for you at aston villa pod so you can be more a bit more to and fro on the podcast because it's not like youtube or whatever where you can drop a comment right under it uh, because there is no comments which is a godsend in some respects. But no, use use that Twitter and also tell your friends. You'll have friends out there who are scared of podcasts. They don't know what they are. Uh, also, they think you have to pay or something, but just tell them it's free. It's like radio and uh, get them on it. And also, don't forget, become a patron because we're actually about... This is like doing a day's work putting this out for free. We don't get any money for this bloody podcast but we have to give up after editing and doing all the funny things and adding it all together it takes up a day 
of work for free. So if you can support us by being a patron, do that, like a dollar, because the web, the website that we use is a dollar thing. Could be a dollar a month, which is, you know, it's that's not even uh, pocket change. So go to myomansaid.com, click on patron, and uh, you'll get more details there. And there's, uh, we do a rewards draw as well, just to show our appreciation for your support. We don't just say, oh, it's much appreciated. We actually uh, give you things back. And there's three £20 Aston Villa gift vouchers and also a book on Ron Saunders that uh, we'll be uh, giving out in the next week or so. So anyway, visit it, sign up, and we'll be much appreciated. Until uh, next time, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. Ciao. I'll see you soon. Goodbye, Villa friends. Don't forget to uh, subscribe on uh, iTunes, Acast, Player FM, whatever podcast uh, vessel you use to reciprocate. I'm I'm so tired. The the reason I've been muting all the time is because I've been yawning. (laughs) (laughs) How far back we were. It does show you how poor a season we'd had prior to the run because we've slammed some points on the board and it's really made... Not much difference. <laughs> it really hasn't. You know, it really when, hasn't. When you consider uh, Bruce at one nowhere. point, I think Bruce at one point, we I think we kicked off a game once uh, and we were three points off the playoff spots. But this is, sorry, with Bruce in charge. Yeah. So we must have dropped like a sack of shit to uh, <laughs> to have won seven out of eight games and we've hardly dented. Uh, we're, we're still nine points off the playoffs. We well, we went full Gianfranco Zola, didn't we, for a few weeks? It was it was hopeless. Yeah, Absolutely that's the point. Hopeless. Actually, we we I don't think we've done quite what uh, the Blues have done in their uh, suicide uh, mission. Well, they're in they're in squeaky bum territory, aren't they now? Aren't they? Are you looking forward to Burton? I would be if I had a ticket. Yeah, well, anybody smart can easily get in the home end, but uh, I don't, I'm not going. I can't be asked. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, can't be asked. <laughs> God, if I didn't have this website, I would pick up the paper to get the results, and that would be it. <laughs> the, the pink paper. Does it even the exist, pink. the pink paper, anyway? <laughs> no. So that would mean I would never know the results. <laughs> I could be ignorant. Blissful ignorance, not knowing of this debacle that's going on. My old man said Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.